Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Teacher's Lounge, HubSpot's podcast for the Education Partner Program. I'm your host, Isaac Moshi. Today we're going to be doing something we've never done before. I'm going to be hosting a discussion with several faculty members from the University of New Hampshire. Rather than rattling off their names and roles myself, why don't you folks go around the horn and uh, give our listeners just a very quick introduction. They won't be able to see us. Uh, who, who's in the room talking today? All right. So hello, everyone. My name is Bilor Actinis. Uh, I'm an associate professor of marketing, uh, and I mostly teach uh, marketing analytics and marketing strategy topics. Thank you. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Tom Gruen. I'm a professor of marketing and the department chair here of marketing at UNH. Uh, I'm Neil Nyman. I'm the associate dean for academic programs at Paul College here at the University of New Hampshire, and I oversee the entire undergraduate curriculum. Hello, everyone. I'm Diane Devine. I teach in marketing. I teach intro to marketing, consumer behavior, and new product development. What I wanted to kick things off with, uh, at UNH, you talk a lot about the concept of business and practice. Maybe, Neil, you could take this one and give folks a brief overview of what that means, business and practice. So the question that we sort of been grappling with is how do we bridge this gulf between the way business is actually done and the theoretical foundations that we teach our students as part of our core curriculum. So we came up with this idea of uh, business and practice as a way of sort of bringing the world of practice onto campus in a meaningful way and to find a way to sort of supplement our core curriculum to make it more meaningful, relevant, and current. And so we have a lot of confidence in the core curriculum itself, but we wanted to do something more. So we're creating a series of two credit courses which will enable our students to, in essence, get their hands dirty, working with real data, real business situations, the kinds of tools that they would be working with in a regular job once they graduate. And we were thinking that if we could bring sort of the world of practice onto campus in a more controlled environment, that we can really take our students to the next level and make them very desirable and very marketable. And ultimately, you know, here at Paul College, we're concerned about student success. And we thought that this was really a way to give our students sort of an edge in a really competitive job market. How do you think about balancing keeping pace with changing business practice, but also that core knowledge of the curriculum. And I'm wondering, uh, Tom, it'd be really cool to hear your insight as a chair. I know we've talked about that a little bit. And then also, uh, Belur and Diane's perspective, I'd, I'd be interested to hear how you think about that balance as well. Particularly in the digital marketing world, which we're seeing a lot of change in very rapidly, is that the concepts of which we work in really don't change as quickly as the practices of how those actually um, are acted upon or enacted. And so it's, it's very difficult, I think, for us as faculty to keep up with the day-to-day uh, speed of change in the digital world. Uh, before, by the time we learn one thing, something else is, is occurring, particularly if we're thinking of social media, um, SEO, any of these types of tactics, these, these things change very rapidly. 
Uh, and so as a result, one of the ways we keep up is simply by uh, trying to bring in uh, guest speakers from the, you know, people from like HubSpot and, uh, and digital marketing agencies uh, to, you know, to, to add uh, that, that current context or that absolutely most current context. So, so we try to do that. And that's, so that, that's sort of stage one. And then I think stage two is, is the business and practice that we're looking at is trying to say, how can we bring you know, really the, more, the most current practice into the classroom? Um, and so I think they really mesh well. My, my one question just for our listeners, Tom, uh, like specifics on balancing those two, the, the core curriculum and the business and practice. I was wondering if you could just give a really quick rundown of, of the logistics of how those two walk together. Uh, the, the only reason that I want to hear a little bit more about that is because I think a fair justification from higher ed sometimes is like, well, business can't really turn around and just make university a trade school. There are these these core principles and these foundations that folks need to know as well. Well, particularly in the mark in the marketing area, for a student to be be what would typically be seen as a marketing major, and not we happen to call it the marketing option, uh, they have to take a series of four core core courses, which are the which is market research, consumer behavior, marketing analytics, and then a, a hands-on marketing workshop course, and then they take two additional electives that are in the area that they want, whether those be let's say sales or digital marketing. Um, and where the business and practice works is business and practice is on top of those six courses. And so students would be taking um, four, what we would say, half size courses. And so they're going to have the opportunity then to take through the business and practice four half courses that are specifically more of practice uh, oriented. And so that lays on top of that. So I think that's the structure that I think you're asking about. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. So sorry, Diane, didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, what were your thoughts on that balance? I think um, one of the things that we're attempting to do with this business and practice program is giving concrete deliverables to our students so that they're building their resumes and they can get into that first job and be aware of the practices and actually utilize them. So you know, just as an example, one of the outcomes we would like to have as part of an inbound marketing small course is maybe it's HubSpot inbound marketing certification. Or if we're teaching digital marketing and tools, maybe it's Google AdWords certification. So it's really having those tools and tactics so that when they walk into a digital marketing agency, they're able to actually add value. Yeah, it was interesting going around the table and hearing your different disciplines that they are cross-departmental in a lot of ways. Do you think that focusing on those business outcomes or just outcomes in general for your students rather than topics forces you folks to build interdisciplinary business and practice courses? I, th- I think um, I think we do both, actually. I think we, yeah. we're going to provide the theoretical but I also think having specific outcomes will help them because they can add that to their resume, which will make them more marketable. But Isaac, let me, let me just take a moment and talk about what we're doing different. That, yeah. That's okay. perhaps new and innovative because I just uh, last month went to an AACSB business school dean's conference and experiential learning was, I won't say it was the number one topic, but you know, Everybody's talking about experiential learning today. Everybody's got to have some experiential learning as part of their curriculum. 
But what I took away from that conference is that what most business schools are doing is they're sort of making a list of courses or experiences and saying, okay, well, you've got to count three things off this list or four things off of that list. And when you've got enough stuff, then we'll certify you're ready to graduate. And so, so they're just sort of using off-the-shelf kinds of things and, and calling it experiential learning. And to a large extent, it is experiential learning. But, you know, what happens when a student actually takes an internship? Are, are they learning very much? What is it that they're learning? You know, we don't really have a lot of control over that. And there's a lot of unevenness in terms of quality. So we're trying to sort of say, okay, you've got these really great marketing principles in the core classes, but they're not teaching, I don't know, search engine optimization, or they're not teaching some of the other tools that digital marketers might use. So let's teach you those tools so that as you go into, let's say, a student-run marketing agency and you're working on projects for actual clients, You've got some background, you've got some knowledge, you've got some experience with these tools so that you can do an effective job with these clients. And, and that's something that we're doing that I don't think you'll see very many other business schools uh, trying to accomplish. I'll give you an example. I had a student, uh, graduating student last year who was interviewing for a digital marketing agency out of Boston. And he came to me and he said, Diane, they gave me a test to do. They gave me a pay-per-click campaign and they want me to analyze it and come back to them and tell me what, what I should do. What's my recommendation based on this pay-per-click campaign and here are the results. And he said, I don't know what to do. And we never really taught them. We never really taught them how to evaluate and analyze a pay-per-click campaign. So we sat down and we went through it and he wrote a killer pay-per-click analysis, and out of all the applicants, he got the job. I'm really happy you brought that up, Diane, because my next question was going to be, are there any indicators that, or, or statistics or something that you look for and monitor to make sure that you're either striking the right balance or covering the right topics? Who are the constituents you're talking to? What does that actually look like to to do this in a way that doesn't feel like flailing or chasing tail, you know what I mean? So one thing maybe to comment on that, I mean, obviously we are, we have been doing our research on multiple fronts, right? You know, we are talking to employers, we are talking to our students, you know, the faculty has an opinion, um, and we are taking these different inputs to create something really good and valuable here. Uh, just to give you one example uh, is, you know, a lot of surveys have been done, uh, you know, in the industry, like this recent NACE survey, right? The National Association of Colleges and Employers, for instance, list these like 10 priorities that, you know, the students graduating, you know, with a business administration degree that need to have. So very critical. So that list uh, includes things from like, uh, you know, ability to work in a team to like uh, ex excessive like communication skills, both written and verbal, analytical skills, uh, you know, uh, detail orientation and so on and so forth. So there are a lot of like qualitative skills and quantitative skills that right now the current, uh, you know, employers demand 
uh, from our students. Uh, and the interview processes also have gotten a lot more complicated. So it's not just one interview when you land a job, right? You go through tests, you go through like, you know, in-depth, like, you know, interviews, like multiple steps. So I think uh, our purpose in creating these two credit courses and this really get your hands dirty, as Neil mentioned, type of approach, let's say through a digital uh, agency or some other uh, you know, context in analytics and so on and so forth, are really to address those skills, like whether it can be some type of a social intelligence skill or a professional intelligence skill or an analytical intelligence skill, so that when students come back to us, like Diane described, like, you know, I, I am not sure how to address, you know, this step in the interview process. They are a lot more prepared, right? You know, they're a lot more prepared and a lot less needing help to solve those problems when they are at that stage of, you know, going from a school to the work environment and really have a niche. Uh, compared to the other applicants so that they stand out from the employer's perspective. So we, we are really trying to keep ourselves very at the forefront, not necessarily chasing something, but ahead of the learning curve um, compared to what other business schools are doing in terms of experiential learning. Yeah, you've, you've brought the experiential learning in-house and standardized it in a way this is probably the time to hand Neil the mic so we can get his little rant on on giving enough structure to students, uh, but also giving them a space to fail, I thought, as we were discussing this. Uh, you had some great points there that fit with what Tom was saying about that. Well, not only fail, but fail multiple times, right? Because in the real world, it's, <laughs> it's all about sort of pulling yourself up from failure. Um, but let, let me just talk in general on how we're approaching this. So... So we're reaching out to corporate partners and we're saying, okay, tell us issues that you're currently facing. Tell us problems you're experiencing. Tell us what you're looking for in our graduates and why you're hiring them or not hiring them. Uh, one of the companies that we've been talking to basically said to me, I won't hire anybody from the University of New Hampshire. And it's like, well, why won't you hire somebody? And they gave me a list of reasons. And I said, well, if we work collaboratively together to create some business and practice courses and give our students sort of the, the background knowledge and the experience that you're looking for, would you then hire our students? And they said, yes, of course we would. Or another company that I've been talking to, which is actually the largest employer in the state of New Hampshire, said, look, we got tons of data and we have tons of problems that we wish somebody could analyze the data and offer us some solution but we don't have the people to do that. So we'd love to give you access to our data cloud and our supercomputer, and we can provide you with you know, gigabytes of data, and we'll even provide you with real problems. Can you sort of connect us with some of your students so that they can work on these things? And of course, from our perspective, it doesn't get any better than that because we're not creating fantasy problems or data that may or may not bear any relation to, you know, actual business situations. So here are our students get access to the data that they would be working with if they were employed by this company, solving problems that this company needs solved. They're willing to 
provide us with some of their executives to come in and give guest lectures or potentially teach the courses. And it's a whole new way of thinking about business education. And as a result, our best and brightest students who are participating in partnership with them, I'm certain will be tendered job offers that otherwise they might not get. Or alternatively, they're gonna have a killer resume. They're gonna have a set of experiences that somebody from one of the Boston business schools isn't gonna have. And I think they're gonna be much more desirable in the marketplace if that's where they wind up after they graduate from Paul College. So it's really trying to sort of, I don't know if I'd say simulate a real business environment, but create something that's comparable that will give our students an experience that they're not gonna get anyplace else and just to go back and echo what Tom is saying, you know, by doing it here on campus, we've got greater control to ensure that they're getting the most out of the experience that they can possibly get and that they're actually learning the things that they're going to need to learn that, you know, the business community wants. And, and ultimately, we're trying to sort of meet the needs of the marketplace while turning out a high quality Paul College graduate who's got the theoretical foundations to support whatever they choose to do for the rest of their career. So what, what occurs to me is you've just given your faculty a ton of roles. They're researching, they're teaching, they're mentoring, they're networking. What is that like as a professor seeing that change over the past couple of years? And two, are there any concrete things that you can do to make that more manageable? I think that's something from talking to professors, it's overwhelming. Yes, just like you said, uh, we are expected to do uh, very top tier research, uh, very impactful research, uh, and also conduct very effective teaching. Uh, so, and also uh, not only teaching in the classroom, but also teaching outside of the classroom, because right now Paul College has a lot of initiatives uh, like social venture, uh, innovation competition, Holloway Prize competition. We are working with our students to write their honors theses, um, and so on and so forth. So, uh, so outside of the classroom teaching as well. And yes, we have a lot of uh, networking events, you know, hosted in the college. And so it's certainly, it's definitely, a, you know, very overwhelming. However, uh, I think adding this component uh, to our uh, curriculum uh, I think is also very going to be very rewarding uh, for the faculty. Uh, yes, it's going to be maybe uh, more work, but definitely a work that has a lot of return on investment, let's put it that way. And, and I think that really hits the nail on the head. I mean, we've seen these students for four years, so we're vested in them and we're vested in their success. So yes, doing all of that, it's exhausting, but having them come to you and telling you when they got a job and why they got a job, that is really the success, that's the reward. And then having them even after the fact come back and tell you, you know, how prepared they felt, how good it is, and how successful they are, that truly is another reward. So let me, let me answer this in a slightly different way because I think you've raised a really important issue, Isaac. It's not easy being a faculty member in today's world. 
You know, and here in Paul College, we're committed to advancing knowledge and research is very important to us. It's one of our core principles. It's perhaps the most important thing that we do. Of course, what makes Paul College sort of a special place is we've got some amazing researchers and we say to them, and you, you have to be good teachers too, because good teaching is really important to us. And when it comes time for promotion or tenure, it's not just what you publish, but it's also who you are and what you've accomplished in the classroom that's really important. And so now we're in this new world where, you know, it used to be sort of teaching, research and service. And now we're saying, well, you know, we want to do all this experiential learning. So, of course, you'll make connections with the business community and you'll come up with great opportunities for the students. And then we say, oh, and, you know, everybody needs a mentor, so you'll mentor students now. And, oh, you know, it's harder to get a good career uh, or start on your career, so you should be career advisors as well because, of course, the rankings all depend on, you know, the success of your graduates. And, by the way, you know, we want our students to be involved in these various clubs and other activities, so... You'll be a faculty advisor to that. And the list gets longer and longer and longer. And the faculty, you know, eventually go, no more. This is ridiculous. And yet all of these are legitimate needs for the business school or for students or, or, or the business community. And so the question is, how do you strike that balance? How do you do all of these things, but not at the expense of your core values or the things that are important to you. And once again, I'll come back to research is very important. It's one of the core principles of Paul College. So when we designed and developed the business and practice program, so I, I will reveal to your listeners that I'm an economist by training and believe strongly in the principle of the division of labor. And when we talked about uh, the business and practice program, it's, well, why don't we have the faculty specialize in what they do best? And why don't we try and meet some of these needs in a different way? So why don't we bring industry professionals here on campus who have the latest and greatest experience with the most advanced tools and have them teach that? Because it's not realistic to ask a faculty member who knows a lot about digital marketing but doesn't work with those tools on a daily basis and as you're well aware, Isaac, those tools are changing at a rapid pace. So whatever everybody in the industry was using today, they're not using three months from now. And so can we bring those individuals in to teach these business and practice courses so that the students sort of get the best of both worlds? All, all really insightful points that are not it's not a challenge that's unique to UNH. It's it's fascinating to talk to all of these schools and you have uh, all of these components that aren't a traditional part of teaching starting to work their way into the classroom where you've got all these kind of funky ways that people are trying to tackle this, whether it's using the student as their own client and they have to market themselves or doing interviewing practice. I mean, all of this stuff that has kind of been slapped into the uh, curriculum to try and prepare students. So 
the the proactive approach and a more bundled approach to putting those things into a proper experience is is really cool to see. We are we are wrapping up here, and so what I'd like to do is ask each of you. Uh, although the business in practice is a relatively new initiative, are there any lessons that you would like to share for faculty that are starting to rethink the way that they are implementing experiential learning? So change is scary. <laughs> and business in practice in some ways is, a disrupt, is disruptive. And so as we sort of developed the program and have worked it through the process of turning it into reality, it's kind of interesting how many potential apple carts one might upset or how many faculty members were concerned that somehow this would negatively impact them. And so I would say that I, I personally view this as the future of business education, uh, but at times it can be challenging convincing others that this is the space they need to be in. And I think that's potentially going to be the largest challenge for others that want to sort of follow in our footsteps and move in the same direction. So be bold, be brave. So I think by implementing this program, we are really making the business administration uh, and our degree, the Paul College degree, a truly blessing, you know, degree and kind of lessening that, uh, you know, negative sides of like, how are our students going to keep up with this change, with this fast pace and learn these new tools? So I think our lessons to us have been in this process to be really as diverse as possible, be as inclusive as possible and also flexible, as flexible as possible to really create something new and innovative. Yeah, and, and I would add that that we can't mitigate all of the risk in this. And I think that's one of the things that when faculty have good things going is that they look at a disruptive change and they say, well, there's risk in that. Uh, you know, we're bringing in uh, practitioners to teach these, uh, the, teach these courses and they've never taught before. And some of them, I, I'm quite certain, will fall flat on their faces. This is not, teaching is not as easy as uh, a lot of people sort of think that it is. When they get into it, they realize it's a real job. Um, but I think on the other hand, what we're going to end up with is some fabulous partners. So I think, yes, there's going to be some failures. There's going to be some stumbles. But I think in the end, we're going to end up with, with so many just really fabulous uh, partners and wins that it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be really uh, a positive, you know, in, in total, a really positive, positive outcome. But... You know, do be willing to take the risk up front and, and uh, know that, that, it's, that the failure won't just be kind of something you can hide behind, but something that may be very visible. Um, and you're going to pick yourself up, apologize, and, and just move on to the next one. Love it. I can't think of a better way to wrap it up. Uh, folks, thanks so much for taking the time, for being candid, and for sharing what you're working on. Can't wait to have you back here sometime in the future to talk about how things are progressing. Thanks, thanks a lot, Isaac. Thanks, thanks Isaac. Isaac. All right, folks, that's been the Teacher's Lounge HubSpot's podcast for the Education Partner Program. Till next time, folks. <laughs> <laughs>